Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hopefully everyone can hear us. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Tale from the Forlorn Dopes. I am one of your co-hosts, Cyber Smiley. Greetings, programs. I am the other co-host, Wisdom. I am so happy to be here today. <laughs> well, happy to be inside. It's hot as hell. Yes, I think the whole world is burning at this point. Um. But so, uh, yeah, so um, I think our uh, roundtable on what's coming out and, and cyberpunk news in general, I think, is going to be short. I didn't find too much new stuff uh, happening. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on this last two weeks. Yeah, the only thing uh, I was able to come to find out was that one of Gibson's uh, novel series is being made into an Amazon uh, TV series uh, called The Peripheral. Uh, my wife read the book. I haven't yet, but I'm itching to uh, put my greasy mitts on it and read it. It came out back in uh, 2014. Uh, it is a trilogy, so the second one already came out. The third one is supposed to be coming out soon, so we'll see. Um... Other things, so we're about almost halfway through uh, Westworld on HBO. I'm not sure if you were able to catch any of the episodes yet, Wisdom. Man, I haven't been able to catch up on anything. I've had so much going on, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine <laughs> with you living down in the southern states. Uh, I'm sure yeah, it's, it's been a fun time. Yeah, so oh, it's, it's a lot different than the previous season. Um, 
and it has a lot of very it's kind of like um i want to say is it season one and two not going to give full spoilers but there is some time jumping that happens in the narrative makes sense um like you're looking at the past and you're also seeing the present uh it is very interesting so far a little scary too so there's that in the peripheral uh our talsorian uh did announce the tales from the red which is supposed to be making a debut next month at gen con however i'm not going to be able to attend uh, someday <coughs> in the future i might go off there but uh for now I'm not going to be able to make it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Gen Con, the Ennies uh, awards are open for voting. Whether you, uh, like anybody can vote, whether you're going to Gen Con or not, just go to the website um, and cast your vote for uh, whatever games you like. Cyberpunk Red is up for several awards, or at least. Yeah, is nominated. Um, so, everybody go cast your vote. Where, what set is that? I used to go uh, to I know it's got its own site, Annie's, N-World, E-N-W-O-R-L-D.com, or I think you can get there also from the Gen Con official site. I think they've got a link there. If, uh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, if our uh, buddy uh, Seth is uh, nominated again? I, I do not know. I literally just got the notification today and have not actually been there myself. Um, you know what? I can, I can take a look. I'm actually taking a look right now. Any cyberpunk stuff. Best cover arts. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Cartography. Maybe it's enworld.org. Uh, yeah, nworld. nworld. Yeah, it's dot org, not dot com. And it's probably been like that for years. Yeah. I mean, what what cyberpunk supplements were um, put out last year? I know in 2020, but last year was kind of uh, not too many. Yeah. Except for the DLCs. Um, I'm not really sure. Well, anyways, everyone go check it out. Read up on it. It's kind of like uh, the Oscars for for tabletop role-playing game and gaming in general. So it is a uh, yeah. It's it's the big one. It is the big one. Um, what else? So still waiting on Dark Horse to um, push out some comics. I know they released uh, number two of Blackout, which was starting the getting really into the story. 
Um, I would like to see some of their po cyberpunk stories be more than four issues, but it seems like that is how they plan on doing cyberpunk. Uh, it's a standard miniseries length is four issues. So, I mean, at least we're getting that. It, it's a dream come true to be getting that in the first place. Right. And then we're on uh, on hold for uh, Edge Runners, the uh, animated series coming in September, which is fast approaching us. Still wish it came out. It is early. indeed. And also, um, good. Yeah. I was just gonna say I'd like to see more. Of what the actual animation itself is going to look like, it looks like we got a bunch of shots from the like opening credits. Yep. So. Yeah, and we are also waiting on patch one point six for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, which people are rumbling that it's probably coming out soon because of the uh, activity they're seeing on the Steam uh, QA servers and, and UAT servers. So, not sure if they're planning on doing the release along the lines of when Edge Runner comes out, or if they're actually going to produce it uh, sooner. I would like to see sooner. See what they've done for the past couple of months. And supposedly that's going to be the last patch for 2077 before they do the expansion which I think is supposed to come out next year late next year or so, sorry should I say it'll come out when it's ready yeah and so as we know with CDPR do not do not adhere to any timelines that they might present because if you do you might be uh might be disappointed on that. Um, yeah, and that's. I have to correct something. It's uh, any award, any That's where you want to go look at the Ennies. I'm not actually seeing the cyberpunk stuff on here, so maybe I don't know. Uh, and I'm not seeing anything for Seth either, which is yeah, disappointing. He should be up there. Always. Didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. I just nah, wanted yeah, to correct, no and we gave the wrong address. Yeah, and again, I don't think that our Talsorian published anything specifically for Cyberpunk I, um, last year. I think 2020 was probably the big year. But <coughs> hopefully with... Um, James and Jay um, starting to getting their promotion and hopefully going to start seeing some stuff pushing out. I know they've been releasing some of the artwork for Tales from the Red on the uh, Artalsorian site. Which is nice to see. Getting some previews. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of it from cyberpunk genre out in the world uh, unless you've heard of any fun stuff oh right there was a, a game that just came out um, Stray which I was kind of looking at yeah 
have been looking forward to Stray for a long time. I just downloaded it this morning. It is ridiculously cute. It's like basically that. a game where you play a cat walking around a cyberpunk city. If that premise sounds weird, it's because it is a little weird, but it's also fantastic. It's a very small game, uh, so it's not going to take up too much room on your hard drive if you're uh, on console or PC. Um, I haven't played it much because, like I said, I just was able to download it today. But what I have played, uh, I got it from PlayStation. You know me, I'm a console gamer. Yeah, I I was looking to download it, but I kind of, last time I tried to download a a program from Steam, they wanted my phone number and... uh, that's a little too much PII that I'd rather not give out. And yeah. they really what don't. What do you need my phone number yeah. for? Exactly. Well, it's to authenticate against your, you know, your credit card. And it's like, oh, according to my credit card. <laughs> well, no. Bullshit. According to my credit card, they don't ask for the phone number for verification. So, I don't. So to me, that means they're gathering my information to possibly sell or use it in some other way that I'm not. I'm not. I don't want more spam on my phone. Thank you very much. Give it to certain people, but not to a company that I'm just buying computer game from. Anyways, back to the 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 real world of cyberpunk. So. Uh, this week, um, we're actually going to be getting into the source book, Protect and Serve. Um, the police source book for Cyberpunk 2020. Yes. This came Long-time favorite. In 1992. And it looks like it's the one of the few books that does not have a little input from Mike Pondsmith. <coughs> Um, it was written by Jeff uh, Pass and Mike. I'm gonna butcher this name. Bossier. That's that's how I pronounced it. Bossier. Bossier. Uh, but if he's American, it's gonna be Bossier. Uh, right. Just like uh, my name is is Bernier, but everybody just pronounces it Bernier, and I got I stopped fighting that when I was like. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cover art is by Bill Akin, and I think it's one of the one of the top art or cover pieces. Uh, it's a fantastic cover. It's like a triptych. Uh, I mean, really, it's it's a necessary book. If you're going to have cops in your game at all, you have to have this book. Yeah, and um, I mean, Wisdom here, we're talking a little bit about it, and, and you know, I just reread the from front to cover, or from front to back, uh, and just was amazed at, like, how much stuff they crammed into this thing. It is, it is highly detailed. Uh, and it goes into detail on things you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it would, especially. I mean, it's not very. It's not a very large source. Yeah, it's, it's only ninety-four, ninety-five pages. Yeah. Of content. 
with some uh, record sheets in the back or forms you can fill out. I love the forms. I, I made my characters use them. Uh, it made for a great, if you're running a cop game, it makes for a great like end of end of session recap or end of chapter recap. Um, it's awesome. And the autopsy forms, they're just great. We'll get to those later. Yeah. They're so good. So the first is an introduction. Uh, it is kind of a fluff piece um, in which a hostage situation is taking place and how the cops are dealing with it. Uh, they are getting their asses kicked until, of course, Max Tech comes in and saves the day. And uh, then I... off to another job that they have to do. I love intros like this where it just starts off with some, it's just pure flavor. And, uh, yeah, I, I've reread this intro so many times, it almost hurts. And they kind of continue the story in little blurbs all throughout the book. Um, it's, I, I, I cannot express enough how much I love a little bit of fiction to get you the actual feel of, you know, the world they're trying to create or the or the mood they're trying to create with uh, with an individual source book like this. And this puts you right in the mind of, you know, a cop in Night City. Yep. Uh, and the brutality uh, that the city has come. <clears throat> yeah, like this... Why didn't he write a freaking... Why didn't we get cyberpunk novels from this guy as opposed to... <laughs> as opposed to what we got... <laughs> Bite boy and bite girl. <laughs> All right, I'll be good. I'm sorry. Yeah. I uh, actually, Seth Sarkowski was doing a Q and A, and I posed that question to him why he, why he put in such a why he likes him. Well, he didn't like him, right? He put in two stars out of five. I'm like, why did you give such a high rating? <laughs> and he chuckled. Yeah, because you gotta. Yeah. We love Seth. So, moving along to the second chapter, um, which is hitting the streets. Uh, again, there's a little bit of fluff in here, and this is actually where it starts getting into how to create a cop uh, character. Wait a second. Now, now, wait a second. You didn't give us what Seth's answer was. He kind of laughed it off and... and explain to the audience what the book was and that it wasn't that <laughs> it wasn't uh -huh. well received at the time and he he kind of the uh, the, the, being, the consummate professional that he is yes um he said that overall it wasn't the worst thing he's ever read so you know that's probably true i, I i've read worse uh not much but i have read worse mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was fun to to finally get his opinion on that. But if you guys go to his YouTube channel, you'll see that I asked that question and he answers it. Hooray! Um, so move, getting back to uh, Protect and Serve. So again, more fluff uh, comes in the next chapter, uh, but this chapter is basically how to create a cop um, 
And I'm not sure if this is the first splat book that started uh, altering the life path or giving a different life path. I don't remember if if this one or if it was um, Home of the Brave. I forget which one came which out one, first. I forget which one came out first myself, but it definitely, like, they came out really close to each other and it was part of uh, a new focus is including, you know, individual role life paths. Um, yep, this actually came out first. But yeah, that's, I think, <clears throat> and again, I think this is the first time it's it's really did it. And it also added specific game rules that affect cops, like black marks, um, uh, commissions, and what was the other one? Not citate. Commendations. Yeah. It also, which was, I found this was interesting, was it also added to your rep. So it helped with your character actually getting some higher rep in the beginning. It, uh, like I said, the whole the whole book really fleshes out areas where you know you wouldn't normally think and like the black marks and commendations and the rep that those are really interesting mechanic and it's one of the first times where they actually try to deal with you know what reputation actually means in as it pertains to the game yep and also rank right because rank is basically your title um which I th I've always had difficulty with because I've always had too many players who increase their you know special or increase their special ability very quickly, and yeah, the game always seems like the your special ability is also on your position and and kind of the the, the title rank position that you would have within an organization. Not yeah, the actual I, ability the, that you have. This is one of those special abilities that's really ab. Uh, authority is a special ability that's really abstracted. Um, it, it's there are several of them uh, in the Cyberpunk twenty twenty rules that uh, of the core roles that they're really abstract in how they're so, how you're supposed to apply them. Uh, there's authority, there's charismatic leadership, um, well, even resources. I mean, these are all, these are all special abilities that require you to be employed for them to have any effect whatsoever. Uh, which is really, really not great since you can, can become unemployed during character creation. So, yeah, that's, that means you'd be starting over from scratch. Uh, I don't know how that's supposed to affect what's written on your character sheet, but um, also, there's no real rules for how it's applied. Uh, like, they give suggestions, but there's no hard, fast codification for, you know, authority does this. It's one of the reasons I created um, Interlock Unlimited uh, with uh, and 
turn their roles, turned all the roles, uh, special abilities into a system that just gives bonuses to skills. So you don't lose them if you become unemployed, just does other stuff. Right. And I think that whole concept of actually explaining special abilities really came out with, you know, Wildside and the fixer and what you can do with a special ability and how it works. Um, yeah, I mean, they threw down some crazy detailed rules for that and expanded the role tremendously. Um, that was that's that's one of the very few complaints I've got about this book is they really could have gone much more detailed into what authority means and how to apply it. Because um, I mean, just the, the the description just seems like it just is a bonus to your intimidation. Um, yeah, which I mean, I think it sells. It that's kind of what it does with Interlock Unlimited. Is uh, yeah, a little bit of a bonus to intimidation. Um, but it's much more codified. It's uh, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no um, worries. There was a article in Interface, and I forget the issue. It might have been four. Um, volume one, number four, or one of the two in volume two. Uh, where they talked about what, what they called dual roles. So you would have one role that kind of was your career, right? So, so you would have one role that was either authority, uh, nomad, corporate, and I think they, ha they came up with a new role called street. And then you would ha choose what you would be within that organization. Right, so you would choose your solo, your techie, your fixer <clears throat> within yeah, that, that organization. Mean, again, that's that was one of the inspirations uh, for what would eventually become Interlock Unlimited. Uh, is the way they looked at that, like you've got this, uh, you've got your career. Or you've got your family, or you know your your gang, your corporate structure, um, which provides its own thing. But at the same time, you're that's not you're not not everybody in a corporation is going to be a corporate. Not everybody in the police force is going to just be a beat cop, and a detective is going to work far differently than you know your average on the street patrol officer. Uh, and a max tech, uh goon is going <laughs> to be much different from both. Right. Um, that's why with Interlock Unlimited, and I'm going to keep talking about Interlock Unlimited because that's what I do. Uh, the special ability adds to, for a regular cop, the special ability adds to intimidate and interrogation. Uh, but you've also got, like, the detective, which adds to, you know, awareness notice and uh, interview. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing that I think they could have done is, is classified 
or similar to to what the the fixer or wildside did was get the subclasses of the different types of police officers that for are human perception not interview sorry yeah. but yeah i agree with you completely but this section also after you do the life path it actually gets into what does it mean to be a cop uh, and specifically off of your authority which is going to be a little governing your rank uh, but your rank is also governed by how many years you've been in the service how many accommodations you have if you have any black marks um, and that's kind of <laughs> that's the weird how do you how do you justify for example uh, authority 10 and he's only you know, a, a lieutenant, because he only has one year. Because if you don't go by raw and you allow your characters to have, you know, put in as many points as they want into anything, then you could ha possibly have high skill levels, or the the players are always going to concentrate their IP into increasing their uh, special ability. Just because they want to have more cash, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's weird. It's there's such a disconnect for me because it's been so long since I ran. You know, rules is written uh, where players where I did allow players to just give themselves ten and a special ability. Like we're talking like the first couple of years back in the '90s when I was running this. Uh, since I've allowed that. Since then, it's pretty much been you start at five. That's as high as your special ability can be. Um, and then, of course, again, with IU, uh, you just get five points to start out to your special abilities, and you can you know divvy the, those up as, as much as you want uh, between the multiple special abilities you're choosing. But yeah, never, never more than five, unless it's a very specific campaign geared towards higher levels. Um, and even then, I tend to limit it to five, just because, you know, there needs to be room to grow. What's, what's the point if there's not room to grow in your profession? Yep. And then. <clears throat> And so once you get through the ranks and, and, and the life path, they actually get into some suggestions on how to play a cop, right? And gives you advice, little tips and tricks. As a cop, these are the things you'd want to do while role-playing it. Uh, then they get into the terminology. Um, some of them I don't know. The terminology in any of the books always comes off as kind of goofy to me. Like, some of it is really useful, and some of it we actually, like, adopted into our vernacular, my, my groups and I. We'd just be, just pop up in random conversation. But others, they're either ridiculously obvious shit that everybody uses anyway, right? or they're just kind of weird, like nobody would ever say that. But then again, there's slang being used today that I'm just all like, why? Why does this exist? Yeah. And then, of course, the favorite cop sayings, which is, of course, drop it, <laughs> spread it, spread them, freeze. 
Look him, Dano! Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's basically the first chapter is how to make a cop. Uh, the second chapter, uh, we start getting into actual operations and how to play the cop and how the police system actually works. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is where the detail really starts kicking in. Um, it gets into the different departments, the difference between division level, precinct level, how the organization actually works, right? Uh, so each precinct will also have a division, and divisions have their own kind of dotted lines. So a, a cop can have multiple bosses kind of in real life. Yeah. And, I mean, there's lots of people a cop has to report to. Lots of people breathing down his neck every time he turns in any paperwork or makes an arrest. Um, I do have to say, on page 19 is my favorite piece of art in the book, where the, the two cops, uh, they look like detectives, are are busting like the Yakuza dude. I, yeah. I love this piece of art. I do too. And if you look in the background and the graffiti, you'll actually see my inspiration for my name. Oh, look at that. Yeah, the smiley face. The half side. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. A little bit of trivia. Exactly. <coughs> um, I mean, the origins of Cyber Smiley coming through. Yep. Uh, yeah, and this, I like how they get into a lot of the detail. Like, even to the point where. How long does it take to fill out a report? Um, so you can actually have, like, okay, your character's going to be busy for the next six hours. I like, you know, that they throw out the, the cop communication codes, like Code 11 and all that. Uh, it, it's useful. It's not necessarily the same as in real life, uh, but those also change department by department, um, or at least state by state. Uh, but yeah, it, it just adds to that to that detail that is so very important if you're running a cop campaign. And I think this particular supplement, outside of any of the scenarios or campaign books, I think this is probably the one book I use a lot to get NPC stats because they pretty much stat out everybody. Whether it's a B-cop, the detectives, C-SWAT, medics, lawyers, uh, and all the various departments. Uh, they also give like timetables of how long a particular type of cop would actually respond to a situation. It seems like most of them are not going to get there very quickly, but yeah, no, none of that thirty-second bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so if you look at it, they, they just break down every single type of cop, and and in this, I would have liked to have seen, you know, the the specialty roles, uh, and add to that. But instead, yeah. what they did was they took the cops and, and flushed them out. Um, 
I'm sure if you weed through these lists, you could probably come up with a skill set <coughs> for each role. I mean, I always look at that stuff as, you know, suggestions for where you might want to take your character anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like, they even include like Airborne Patrol, which is something a lot of police department type source books like this would not think to include, like the helicopter pilots and the AV pilots and all that. Um, I kind of, I kind of expanded on this with my, uh, one of my first source books, the NCPD source book, uh, for Data Fortress 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went in a little bit different direction, uh, and maybe I was a little bit harsh in in my younger criticisms. Uh, that in my old age, I appreciate more and more. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this book, and it it inspired me uh, with one of the first like larger. Uh, internet source books that I ever wrote. Yeah, you, that's true. You, <laughs> I like your uh, that source book that you did. Very deep. I mean, I'll be referring to it several times, most likely, as we go through this, because in my head there, it's just such a big part of my game that I've been running for so long that yeah. I can't help but make comparisons, or not comparisons, but connections. Yeah, and then it gets into what kind of assistance or or resources that a cop can call on when they're out on patrol or doing any type of investigation. How long it would take that particular uh, request. How long it would take them to get that enabled. Um... Yeah, to me, it just it just screams like this is doing all the hard work for your for a referee on planning out a a cap cop campaign. Um, It it definitely it definitely does give the referee that assistance in having like i mean it came out in the 90s when you didn't have the internet to look up things like response times or you know how long any given task would take so seeing this in a source book is is still useful to this day because yeah you're not always going to have access to the internet i say that but you kind of always do but it's still you don't want to have to look up everything when it's just right there and then comes the equipment, which is another major section with a lot of stuff in here. Uh, from the weapons that cops would be carrying around, to the types of armor, to the vehicles they would be driving, to the investigation equipment oh, and scanners. Skipping ahead. And not too much. Not too much, but I like the... Uh... I like the section on confidential informants from the last chapter. Ah. Um, they give you rules, and it's kind of like a miniature version of what would become the wild side uh, fixer's contact rules. It's, it's just a miniature version of that. Yeah, because yeah, you uh, start off with two uh, informants, 
And then if there's any yeah. uh, life path, you get more. Um, so, yeah, and it's got a section on how to, you know, how to run an undercover cop campaign right before it gets into the into the weapons. I think it could have been uh, a little... That section could actually have been a, a little bigger. It's only... I agree. Half a page, maybe, at most. Yeah. Um, Two-thirds of a page. I mean... It's not it's not very big, but mm. at least they touch on, you know, it's not fun and games in the yep. fun and games. <laughs> right. Uh but yeah, uh I you know me, I love equipment. Um I love the idea of the constitutional arms, multiple ammunition pistol. That's that's so freaking like Judge dead Dredd. on for, yeah, Judge Dread. Um, in my game, constitutional arms be like this is the kind of stuff they specialize in. Is very specifically like police type weapon. Um, To the point that they make several, they st in in my game they start making several uh, several new handguns for police, which combine like an over under barrel. The under barrel is the revolver, of course, and then the uh, semi automatic uh, standard barrel. Um, sorry, that's me ranting again about my own stuff. I'll try and keep that to a to. You taste your own minimal. stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I do. Uh, some of the gear in here just seems a little silly to me. But then again, I throw out some silly stuff myself. Um, well, I think every campaign or, or every game of, of Cyberpunk, it's all about the gear. And acquiring skills, but mostly it's about the gear. The more gear a character has, the, the happier they are. But I think they tried to cover like all aspects of, of what a police, any individual police would have. Whether it's forensic having scanners, or the beat cop and, and what he's equipped with. So I think they tried to cover all the different divisions within the, the precincts. <clears throat> they do. They do. I um, dig the nightstick uh, variations. Like, uh, they've got one that's like a, a, like a taser built into this nightstick, and then another. It's, you know, got some tear, like some some mace and chemical spray, and then you just got your basic, you know, beat them till it hurts, nightstick. Or have all three in the same nightstick. And I tell you what else uh, was a popular addition to my game, uh, to anybody playing in my game, was the Street Tech Burst. It's basically just like a little flashlight-sized one-shot shotgun that you, like, several characters in my campaigns have, have just always kept one of those as a backup on their, on their keychain. Yep. 
I think one rule that a lot of people overlook in Cyberpunk is if you fire any weapon at point-blank range, i.e. you're less than a meter away, you do max damage. You do not roll damage. Yeah. You don't roll it. It just does the damage. Uh, so little backups like that, like at, at any kind of distance, they're almost useless. But at point-blank, they'll put a hurtin'. They'll they'll lay that down. Yeah, and then we get into all the various uh, cop cars and cop vehicles, which are pretty damn detailed. I think yeah, I like that they go into the inventory for what each cop care uh, each cop vehicle carries, like extra like down to extra handcuffs and you know your basic investigation kits and extra, and all that. It's what it's what started me down the path of I'm going to be super detailed with everything that these guys carry. Uh, so if you want to blame something, blame this source book for that. It would have been nice. Cause I know uh, quite a few of these vehicles have been republished in Max Metal. It would have been nice to see all of them republished. But Yeah, I mean, with Max Metal, they tried to stick to the military vehicles. So I get that they didn't want to do, like, the patrol cruiser and all that. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen some updated art on all these. Uh, which, again, was more inspiration for my own uh, NCPD source book. Uh, I wanted a better... Basically, I wanted all my cops in Night City to look like the cops in uh, 80 Police from Bubblegum Crisis and, of course... 80 police files. I wanted them to have that kind of uniform, and I used, uh, for me, the patrol car looks like the car, looks like one of the police cars from Gundam. Uh, I, I use a lot of anime source uh, line art. Um, but yeah, it, it started that trend of me wanting to detail every every image, or every every item, and with an accompanying image, so there was never any doubt as to, you know, it's got, you can hang off on this, or, I mean, as I've said many, many times, you know, picture tells a thousand words, and it gets everybody on the same page. This book also <clears throat> gets into robots. I know um, the robot hound is, is pulled from Interface, but there's quite a few others that add, and I think this is trying to remember if this came out before or after Chrome 2. This so came out before Chrome 2, I'm yeah. pretty sure. So this um, was actually uh, one of the first supplements, again, <laughs> to have uh, remotes and, and actually include yeah. the remote skill. Um, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure this came out before Chrome 2. And uh, you're right. This is Same this is the first time you see uh, robots, as it were, in cyberpunk, uh, in the cyberpunk rules. Uh, this is, yeah. Then, I mean, back then, like police, like bomb disposal robots were a pretty new concept. 
Um, and this this tackled them pretty well. Or even surveillance robots uh, flying yeah, around. Yeah, drones. I mean, th- this book was actually years ahead in trying to cover those things uh, and how they would work in a cyberpunk game. It always uh, it always felt weird to me that like proper drones um, weren't given. They they never really expanded upon that in the later books. They gave us the the robots in Chrome two and some of them in Solo of Fortune two, but you never had like proper drone rules like for the pseudo dragon here, uh, which they of course call an aerial surveillance unit because nobody was using the term drones back then. But yeah, well, the nobody would have thought that. <clears throat> it would become what it has become. Exactly. And I, they really didn't conquer the, the smaller drones. I know they implemented the, the WAD, W-A-D, rules uh, in Chrome 3? Maybe Chrome, maybe Chrome 2. Um, which was basically converting any of your ACPAs into a robot autonomous units yeah. yeah or remote controlled units either one so again that's uh, 10 I'm years later from this uh, i mean i've used that to great effect in my games uh for like construction sites and um autonomous security and things of that nature uh i mean there's really even if you're not playing a cop or running a cop campaign there's there's stuff in this book that you're going to find useful and then the next chapter, um, so the previous chapter was kind of <clears throat> geared towards law enforcement within the city. Uh, the next chapter gets into law enforcement throughout a nation or state. Uh, I know that LDIV uh, organization, so law enforcement division, of, and that's the one thing that I think it would have helped is if they kind of talked a little more about how NorCal, SouCal, and all the free states organize themselves versus the United States, right? Whereas the United States kind of abolished all the intelligence agencies and wrapped them all up into one big organization. Into the CIA, yeah. So, uh, and it's it's kind of confusing how that all works. They try to make sense of it in this book, but they kind of expect you to have a working knowledge of it uh, coming into it. So maybe maybe Home of the Brave did come out first. <coughs> um, no, Home of the Brave came out in 93. Oh, well. There you go. Um, that would make this book... F- fairly confusing because yeah. like I said it kind of treats this stuff uh, like the Lediv is like a part of the CIA which has been restructured from the FBI and the N- and like the FBI, the NSA and uh, the, CIA, the, the DEA, DEA just kind of got folded all in which they talk about briefly in the 2020 source book but they don't they don't go in the detail that would become apparent until Home of the Brave, so it, it gets kind of confusing reading about it in this book. Uh, again, it's like the prototype for what would become Home of the Brave, 
Um, but yeah, I remember reading that, and I dug the idea of Lediv. Um, basically, it's like the American... Because of the free states and all that, it becomes like the American Interpol. Yep. And again, the the beginning of this section breaks down Lediv uh, into the different departments or, or administrations. Uh, kind of gives a brief description of what each one's goal is in the organization. Uh, yeah. And, doesn't have too many stats for any of those individuals. Uh, one section, again, once they get out of the uh, Lediv's, then they talk about Highway, which I know is something you really like. <laughs> I love Highway. Um, yeah, I. it's... I mean, it's basically your Mad Max Highway Patrol and uh, it operates freely through, you know, free states and standard union. Um, they could have gone into a little bit more detail with, uh, because highway is so underfunded, I would have liked to have seen more detail into, you know, what they're issued, which is why, of course, with the NCBD source book, I go into that detail. And then they add the, the fun state executioner's office. That. Which. It's kind of interesting. That was, it's interesting. It's them trying to put Judge Dredd in the yeah. game. Um, and that's exactly what it comes across, except there's only ever one state executioner. Uh. It's a it's a weird bit of fluff that doesn't really fit thematically with the rest of the book in my eyes. Um, it's one of those things that I I don't even I don't even try to fit that into my game to be honest. I, I see it more like um, how MI six with the double O's, right? I, I don't think there should just be one because. That person would be pretty busy, uh, especially in in the day and age of Cyberpunk 2020. I'm sure there's well, a lot just... of kill orders out there for uh, various criminals. I don't know. It just comes out of nowhere, and they don't really give a whole lot of they don't give a lot of fluff to the state executioner. Just that, you know, that role exists, and I guess they just wander the streets with, you know, full authority to do whatever they want. I don't know. Uh, maybe if they if they had, you know, fleshed it out a little bit more, I wouldn't think it was so weird. But as it stands, it's it's just like one of the areas of the book that I tend to ignore. And after the state executioner, they talk a little bit about corporate cops. Uh and they reference another section that's actually later in the book uh, around corporations and, and how they interact with the police department. Uh, then you have the bounty hunters, and then they get into the perps, the bad guys, which consists of organized crime, 
they break down into uh, how organized crime works and the various types of organized crime. I forget. The- I'll also just interject and say that the art in this chapter is is kind of its weakest point. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just not up to par with the art we've seen previously in this book. I, that's not to say that it's not it's not good. Um, it's more than adequate. It's just uh, All I don't know. The guns look like uh, laser pistols of sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. Like they're really poorly detailed. Um, the anatomy is kind of weird on some of these people. Uh, it's just not up to par. Like, it's perfectly adequate. It works. It does the job it's supposed to. It just... Uh, it looks a little out of place uh, in comparison to, like, that image of the cops busting in on the Yakuza dude we talked about earlier or the image of the Max Tack officer with the yeah. Yes, I agree. Sorry. Uh, I think they were trying I, to keep each section consistent, right? So I'm sure they have a timeline, and when they go to the artist and like, hey, I need this many pieces of art and on this subject. And I was... <clears throat> I forget who gave the advice, but... Um, there's a there's a YouTuber called Mr. Welsh, and he was creating a and d book uh, for the old original campaign setting, which was Mastara. And he was creating a book, you know, and using his own money to fund this thing and get it out there because he loved that campaign so much. But <clears throat> and he, he was talking about how he was getting the art, and he actually started showing the book to, like, other people, and he actually showed it to Frank Metzer and don't know who Frank Metzer is, then you don't know anything he's, about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, and Metzer gave the him dude. the advice of like, hey, you want to keep your art consistent um, in each chapter, so each chapter has its own look and feel <clears throat> to help the reader kind of concentrate on that as opposed to having something just jumbled with different artwork. Uh, huh. Obviously, that is not advice I ever like took to heart. Yeah. If you look <laughs> at my site, it'll be obvious. Um, but if you're actually publishing a, a book, I can see how that is fantastic advice. And uh, yeah, yeah. So we get into um, the criminal elements, and they kind of cover again. This you can tell that this was the '90s. Because it was the yeah. Yakuza, the Mafia, uh, the Triads, the triad, and Colombians. Colombians. <laughs> um, um, you forget the the. And I'm surprised they didn't put like the uh, what was it? What was the big one back in the '90s? The J- Jamaicans. The Jamaicans. Uh, I mean, the '90s. We got that with Night thing. City source book with the Voodoo Boys, kind yeah. of, but not as much as I would have liked. Or the Russian uh, Mafia. Which, or the Russian mafia, the I know Vietnamese gangs, which they kind of cover with the triads, were a huge thing in the nineties. Um, as all the teenagers who like started off from uh, Vietnam 
uh, and were displaced all over the country kind of grew up and then started their own gang. Right. I remember reading about how brutal they were in the 90s, and then they just kind of disappeared. Well, I think the Colombians were big because of uh, just the drug trafficking oh. back in the 90s with... Uh, yeah. Cocaine. his name, yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, Commander Ali North or whatever <laughs> and the whole Iran-Contra scandal and... Uh, or, of course, we found guns out for that drugs. Reagan in the, in really South didn't know what was going on. Yeah, he didn't know what was going on at all, anywhere. Right. <clears throat> so here they also get into the the corporations uh, and kind of what what the corporation, what laws they can kind of break break and how they kind of suffer and <clears throat> I like this because it really gets into something that was talked about in previous books and that was the corporate immunity and what does that mean um, so it kind of gets into that level of detail of this is how corpor corporations operate in the city with the law so even though yeah. corporations <laughs> might be killing people they are not going to be brought in front of the judge because they are their own nations. Yeah, uh, it is. It is an interesting extrapolation into the future as to you know just how much corporate control things are going to have, and it, in in the nineties it seems so far fetched, uh, but then again. Who could have imagined that, you know, we'd live to see a day where corporations are considered people. Um, Citizens United and all that, where corporations really do just have ridiculous amount of immunity. Yep. <clears throat> but you also see, and I forget the, who was involved, but I know there's, uh, I think it's in India, or or one of those other southern Asian countries, in which the CEO of a company basically has a, a standing death order on his head because he allowed his corporation to pollute a town to the point where there was several deaths. Um, I mean, <laughs> like almost triple digit deaths yeah. uh, I remember the article you're, I remember the story you're talking about I want to say yeah that was it was either India or Pakistan um, yeah. and I want to say it was was it Dole or Monsanto it, it was one of them it was yeah. one of the big agricultural companies so that is a great story if you ever look into it of <laughs> of corporate overreach and how corporations would really work to another level within uh, cyberpunk. Yeah, just the absolute power they, they can wield, especially, you know, when they can bribe or intimidate the government into complete submission. Uh, I mean, shit, that's the whole basis of the East India Company. Just 
bring forth a private military and take over. If they if the government there doesn't like it, kill them off and then install somebody new. Yep, and the corporate section also ends with um, two write ups of uh, two different types of uh, corporate solo, like a corporate solo hitter and a corporate ninja, and they kind of stat those out. Um, so, again, this book is great at giving you NPCs, statting them out for you. Uh, and then you get to th- throw them at people. Uh, then the next section gets it's... into the gangs. Sorry for cutting you off. Oh, I was just going to say, it's it's very 90s uh, with the whole corporate ninja vibe. But, I mean, corporate espionage is a huge deal. And it's really been the basis of several of my campaigns. Uh and my personal characters. I, I ran a corporate ninja once, and that was great fun. Yeah. And then it gets so it approaches. Yeah, good. I was just going to say it approaches aspects of the game that a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily think about. Right, and I think the previous the the main book tells you how screwed up the society is when it comes to corporations and and this kind of puts a little more understanding of how why well the hows and whys uh of corporate overreach and corporate uh dominion as it was granted the <laughs> the uh governments aren't going to take a lot of shit from corporations but they take enough Yeah, I always kind of fought back against the idea that corporations had, you know, complete, total autonomy in the United States uh, to the point that they ran all the governments and all that. I could see it in other countries, um, but in the 90s, thinking it was going to be like that in the U.S. was, (laughs) I don't know, I had a more optimistic view even of the dark future than that. Um, As I get older, my mind changes on that. as things uh, progress. Yeah. So Thank moving... you, <laughs> Real World, for destroying my, my optimism of, you know, just how bad things could get. Yeah. Well, we see, you know, never know what's right around the corner. Um, look at history. History mm. has some interesting Full ups of change. and downs. Yeah. So we get into the gang section, and similar to what Solo of Fortune, the first Solo of Fortune did, uh, it really starts fleshing out what gangs are, the different types of gangs they are. They kind of add a a few more gang types uh, and start structuring It doesn't necessarily go into any any specific gangs uh, right off the bat, as opposed to just like, you know, these are the types of gangs that exist. Um... You know, you got your, you got your Cromers, your Culties, your your Booster Gangs, which of course is the big fun one that everybody likes to throw out. Um, your Drug Gangs, uh, your Guardians, which are just set up as like street vigilante gangs. Um, which you know were a big thing in the '80s. Like they made a big deal about these supposedly benevolent gangs who all of a sudden 
turned out to just be gangs. Uh, nihilists. Your party guys. Your go gangs, which are your, you know, your bikers and whatnot. Um, and then it talks about gang structure. And I liked this section. I liked this section quite a bit. Uh, because before this book came out, everybody kind of treated street gangs like nomads. And there's a lot of similarity there, but they're not the same thing. Yeah, because nomads are all about family, the survival of that family, whereas gangs are, I want to make money. You guys can make money with yeah. me, but I'm sorry. Or gonna... you guys can make money for me. Yeah. <laughs> Gangs, are, I mean, gangs are a pyramid structure. <laughs> yeah. So there's always going to be tools that the leaders use as opposed to a nomad clan that would just, you know, they're all family, you know? So now we're into the next chapter, chapter four, called You're Busted. Uh, in this chapter, it breaks down what the laws are and what crimes characters can commit and what's the uh, what's the uh, sentence, whether you're fined or thrown into jail. Um, this is probably the most useful section in the book, to be honest. Um, because the laws... Cyberpunk 2020 presented a, a world that had drastically changed in, in regards to, you know, laws and how they're enforced, what exactly is legal still and what's not. Um, I don't agree with all of it. Uh, and I, you know, addressed that with the NCBD sourcebook. But overall, this, this chapter is like I said, probably the most useful chapter in the book for, unless you're, unless you're running a cop campaign, um, in which at that point, you know, the whole book becomes important, but really this chapter breaks it down for the, and is going to be the most used to your average game. Yeah. And, and as a referee, you got to, and that's that's the one problem I've always had with cyberpunk is that oftentimes your characters are committing quite a few and breaking quite a few of these laws um, just because some of them some players are trigger happy <clears throat> and uh, and uh, some of these uh, some of these sentences are pretty harsh yeah um again you're gonna want to adjust to taste uh as a as a gm uh but yeah the harsh the the sentences are harsh um some of the laws get kind of goofy um i get where they're going with it uh, like the weapon laws are are kind of disjointed, mm. um, but it creates a great 
overall guideline for you know how to how to rein in some of the craziness and like you know as a GM you can always throw out you know that's a crime don't get caught and if a player like in my game go ahead and if a player uh, is leaving the group right he has real life commitments that he's going to be gone for a while and you can always have the police pick him up for uh, a specific crime. Exactly. Like, he's 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 literally going away for a while. The one thing um, I do like about this section is in, in page 67, the flow chart they give about how you get arrested, trial, sentencing, and, and all of that, which kind of maps out how the system works. Yeah, because, I mean, they had the big lawyer purge, so, like, that, again, is a really disjointed from book to book, you know, uh, how the, you know, legal system actually works in regards to, you know, what's trial look like and all that. So it's nice of them to throw down, like, this is how it works, uh, in in this in this 2020 universe where they've had these great massive upheavals to society and the law in general right yeah so the, the this chapter continues on and, and as i said they they have a flow chart of you get arrested, what are the hearings, what's the trial going to be, it actually gives some rules on how to work on a trial with some game mechanics uh, on whether or not you get sentenced or not how long things take uh, and then it gets to the point of incarceration and then talks about the different types of incarcerations there are and also the types of different types of punishment. And I think the the Cyberpunk 2077 comic book, uh, Blackout, kind of addressed a little bit of it. And even the, the game itself uh, got a little into incarceration, uh, especially what was it? Um, God, I forgot that, that quest line. Something man. Not holy man. The one with the, uh, uh, the BD. Maybe. Oh. Know. Now you're gonna hurt my brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that quest was. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what the title of it was. On. On uh, justice system within uh, the near future. I like that they give a little table uh, with, you know, modifiers for your defense attorney and the strength of the prosecution and all that. That's in the judge. I think that's a nice little touch. It is. Because it allows your your, your players to, uh, you know, okay, we're going to let the dice determine whether or not you're found guilty. The AI judges kind of goofy. Again, the art in this chapter is not the greatest. 
Um, in particular, the picture of on page 69 where the dude is standing before the three holographic projections of judges. And it just... It comes across like the beginning of Superman where they sentence Zod <laughs> to the Phantom Zone. Well, the person might get thrown into uh, brain dance. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah then... I mean, they the whole incarceration section uh, where they very specifically talk about using brain dance uh, on long-term prisoners or as a, rehabil- a rehabilitation tool or just straight up punishment. Like we're going to lock you away and make you watch Brady Bunch reruns for the rest of, for the entire sentence. Like, Oh my God, that's hell. Yeah. I don't know if this supplement came out. So there was also, um, sorry. Um, speaking of interface magazine, there's actually, uh, an article in the interface. They kind of got into what were they called? The penal, the penal inmate core. I freaking love that. That that's one of my favorite issues of interface uh, as far as content goes. Um, they're kind of like a like the whole thing comes across. It's obvious that their inspirations are both aliens and predator uh, to the point that you know, like it's very specifically based on that. Um, in addition to a little bit of Blade Runner, uh, yep. I, I and but really the biggest inspiration for the Penal Inmate Core is DC Comics Suicide Squad, where you know you've got this group of dudes who are trying to work off their sentences. Yeah, I would like, and again, I don't know whether or not that issue came out before or after when they were writing this supplement, but it would have been a nice ad here. Um, yeah, because it definitely would give a little more, more flavor to sentencing, right? So, <clears throat> if your characters did get captured, well, they don't have to rot in jail. They can uh, sign up for the <laughs> for the penal court and uh, you know start doing uh, additional uh, adventures. <clears throat> um. Then we are into chapter five, which is basically, uh, I think, four or five pages on how to uh, run a cop campaign and, and what the responsibility as a referee. Uh, they kind of uh, get into the idea that you should definitely want to have some paperwork associated with each of the characters, specifically around giving them uh, commendations and black marks. Um, whether or not IA is looking after you because of a, a, an adventure you might have done or a scenario you got involved with that was kind of sketchy on how some of the, the perps were uh, killed. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, if you're running a campaign of cops, this is your nitty-gritty meat on how to do that. And it also gives you um, a, a map of a precinct. And it's a good one. Like, it's 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 not small. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a large precinct. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like a... one of the larger ones, but it's, it's not... It's substantial. 
And the last chapter, which is chapter six, is scenarios. And it's kind of in the same format as screen sheets in which you're given a little information and as a referee, uh, you just expand upon that. Um, they basically break it down into the various reports that, you, that the police would hear and then some additional information as well as the referee information. And as a referee, you can start expanding and, and making it your own. I mean, they're all they're all these super short, just like you said, basically just it's the stand. It became it was the standard way that they added adventures back then uh, as just just these little blurbs of adventure hooks to basically run wild with. Some of these are really cool. Others are really goofy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Trekkie one. This is where the Star Trek poser gang comes through. Yeah, the Trekkie one. Um, oh, <laughs> you got your werewolves. You got all sorts of goofiness. You got your toxic Avengers. I mean, there's about what, um, uh, 28 of these, so you, you'll definitely keep you busy <laughs> as a GM. Um, if you're not into creating your own scenarios, this is definitely a, a place in which you will get some inspiration. <clears throat> and some of them, like we, I, I talked about the goofy ones, but some of them are actually pretty damn good. Uh, you deal with corrupt cops, you deal with serial killers, um, some cyber psychosis. It's, it's, some of them are, like, it varies. Some of them are goofy, some of them are really cool. And depending on the type of game you run, even the goofy ones are really cool. Yeah, and they also get into, I guess, similar to what Cops was, right? And the media just kind of gets involved and, and follows you around. Um, so even those scenarios, you if you're, all your players aren't cops, then some of them can be media. And those medias are just like the tag-along, hey, we're, we're riding shotgun and filming the date night city blues or something like that yeah i mean it doesn't come out and specifically give you what well, it, like it's not obvious about it but if you read the book you see how you know other roles can really you know be integrated into a police-based campaign like you just said medias you know corporate liaisons uh Even even nomads, uh, you know, working with the police through highway and whatnot. It it's a good book to have. Yep. And then it rounds off with uh, three uh, forms. Uh, one is an autopsy form, which is yeah. You got your uh, great to use as uh, as end game uh, props. They also have the I mean, personal record. Yeah. To help a referee keep track of the player. And then uh, the police report, which is pretty. Looks like a. I mean, they're all pretty detailed. <laughs> government form. Um, and yeah, I used to hand these out. Uh, they were <coughs> great props. 
Um, they make great ways to, you know, recap uh, sessions um, or chapters. They make they're useful. Uh, more so if you're running a cop campaign, um, like the autopsy report. You know, that's crap that a netrunner is going to find if they're doing their own investigation into something. You can throw that out there. They're good props. Yep. So that's pretty much it for uh, yeah for this. Um, and again, I, I really enjoyed this book. Um, especially, and I don't think I ever really ran a cop campaign because my players, when they played Cyberpunk, were never really always on the the right side of the law. But it's definitely a great resource to even <laughs> use for designing cops uh, against the players and, and why players really should fear cops because this absolutely book, this book uh, this book allows them to do some pretty nasty stuff to the players as well. I mean, I I have run many a cop campaign. I I will go so far as to say that I love running cop campaigns. Um, I like the structure that it provides the game. Um, it, it's, it's like running a nomad campaign, like in that, that, you know, there's direction and structure and with a cop campaign, especially you've got each case becomes its own chapter, uh, where it, you can kind of treat it like a serialized television show at that point. Um, there are a lot of benefits to running a cop campaign uh, and you know your players. It's up to your players whether they want to run, you know, run it straight, or if they want to be corrupt, like bad lieutenant type cops, uh, or you know, obviously a mix in between. Um, and you can have fun with that. Hell, I ran a pretty memorable cop campaign where I had an undercover internal affairs, you know, investigator implanted in the campaign with them and none of them knew that that player was IA while they were being investigated. That had a pretty memorable end. Uh, when they finally found out it, it, it became quite messy, uh, but brilliantly fun. Um, everybody had a good time. It takes, it takes a special kind of player to run that internal affairs agent and keep things keep things hidden from the other player or, or the other players while suddenly the internal affairs is finding out stuff and they start suspecting that there's a mole somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, that kind of. But yeah, I've run. I've run uh, private investigator campaigns and like just detective campaigns. Uh, my favorite thing to do, though, um, in, in my game, the severe, like, Max Tack not only handles your straight-up, you know, like, SWAT-type tactics against cyberpsychos, but they also investigate uh, cyberpsychosis and, you know, cybernetic crimes. Um so there, all the people in it are dual trained. It opens up a whole world of, like, they can be like investigators one week and then 
get called into action the next week. Very, very 80 police files. Right. And I think one thing that we kind of glossed over was there's also a section on what kind of cop movies you want. And granted, this list is from 1992, so there's a lot more out there. But um, they kind of cover quite a few good ones. Um, yeah, I mean, you got your Lethal Weapons, you got your your Hill Street Blues. Yeah. I don't remember if Black Rain was listed on there, but it, it probably is. should have been. Yeah. There Black we go. Black Rain was, very, was pretty good. Um, the cop series that I'm watch well was watching recently was um, Tokyo Vice over on HBO with uh, Ken Watanabe. That's Wadanabe. a good one. Yes. Yeah, so uh, they there's some really fantastic uh, cop shows coming out of Asia lately. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> the Wire. The Wire was an awesome series. Yeah, you you watch The Wire on this show or The Shield, and you know, if you can't find campaign inspiration from those, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's that's really as good as it gets. And for specifically Cyberpunk Dread, I think is the the epitome of uh, a cop movie for Cyberpunk. Yeah, that's your well, that and Blade Runner. All right, so uh, that kind of wraps it up for this book review. Um, the next book review we're actually going to cover two, and those are the Solo of Fortunes, uh, which will be in the second Wednesday of next month. Uh, our next episode, we still haven't figured out exactly what that's going to be. Um, we've been trying to... Uh, be some ranting. Yeah, probably ranting. Most likely ranting. We'll come up with a subject <laughs> that we can talk about um, or, or find somebody that we can uh, have as a guest and just chew the shit with them. Um, yeah, so uh, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, that, I think, about covers it. Um, I mean, to wrap up, Protect and Serve is is one of my top ten books in the line. It's it's what I it's one of the books that I consider to be, uh, you know, while you don't need anything more than the twenty twenty source book, this is one of the books that I would consider to be a must have if you're going to expand beyond that at all. I also uh, think that you can turn this into red pretty easily as well. Uh, yeah. And again, I think most 2020 stuff you can you can convert into red pretty easily because a lot of this and again the the, the life path and nah. Uh, other than that, you know, the conversion of some of the gear you can do, and a lot of this fluff as well as the NPCs can can easily be converted and used within a red campaign. Um, yeah, I mean the loss the the law structure in red seems to be pretty similar um i'm not i didn't i don't remember seeing a lot of stuff that was drastically changed um you can you could easily use this for red uh and again <clears throat> i expand on the source book with on protect and serve with my ncpd source book it you might want to check that out on data fortress 2020 uh 
be able to uh, again, you know, use or not at your leisure. It just provides a little more. Um, but yeah, this book is is a is a must read for uh, any serious Cyberpunk twenty twenty GM or player for that matter. All right, so um, we can start wrapping up. So first off, I want to thank uh, Rob Mulligan and Cyberpunk, or sorry, Cyber Nation Uncensored for uh, hosting us yet again. Um, uh, thanks, great. Rob. Uh, and uh, so I am CyberSmiley. You can find me at CyberSmiley.net. Uh, that is my site that I have a lot of, uh, Cyberpunk 2020 stuff and as well as Cyberpunk Red, uh, web, little web tools that you can use for your campaigns. Uh, I also have a link to my, the CyberSmiley Datafort, uh, Discord. Uh, that is a place where you can post bugs, hear about my latest, uh, enhancements and, um, uh, any enhancements you think you want to see in my site, I am more than happy to do it. Uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback there, uh, and I appreciate the people who have been doing it. Um, also, check out our channel on uh, Cyberpunk or Cybernation Uncensored's Discord. Every as well. single time, <laughs> I know. I I, he, I know he changed it like a year ago, and I still. Cyberpunk just rolls off my tongue a lot easier. <laughs> Cyber Nation Uncensored's uh, Discord, check that out. We, d uh, the Tales from the Forlorn Dopes, have a channel there. Uh, we'd love to hear feedback, um, possible other subjects uh, people want to hear from us. Please do that. Questions, comments, yep, anything exactly. you want to see us cover in the future. Yep. Um, uh, you can also find me on other Discords. I'm like almost, I think, on all different types of Cyberpunk uh, 2020, Cyberpunk Red, Cyberpunk whatever uh, discords that are out there. So I, I kind of float and lurk out there as well as on the Reddits. Um, and you can go and uh, check me out there as well. All right. I am Wisdom Triple Zero. Uh... I run datafortress2020.com, which, you know, you can just find a ridiculous host of, of source books, gear, rules, uh, and, you know, an archive of all the greatest cyberpunk sites out there. Um, that is the key. He is the archival of all the sites that used to be out there. And there were quite yeah. a lot. Every every groovy article from all those sites I've, I've put into PDF. Uh, any that I could recover, anyway. There's there's some stuff that's just going to be lost forever, I guess. Very sad. Um, it's weird to think just how many sites there used to be, as compared to you know what few there are now. Well, I, uh, I, I, we're, now that we're talking about sites, uh, I think it was a different type of a time. Right, so search yeah, it was engines. The, birth of the internet where yeah, and there wasn't a lot. Everybody had a Yahoo page or a GeoCities. Uh, yeah, it and, was a different time. And also, the search engines and, and their algorithms were weren't as picky as they are now. Let's just say, 
It seems that there's right. more advertising links than there are actual content links for some of the searches you do, and that's kind of a shame. Uh, or the, the old uh, web rings that used to exist. Oh, the web rings, the web rings. Which aren't a thing anymore. No. Uh, the, the early wild days of the internet, the cowboy days. But yeah, check out Data Fortress 2020. It's, it's if you play cyberpunk or just are interested in the genre, it's got something for you. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, uh, on the Cyberpunk 2020 Facebook group, the Data Fortress 2020 Facebook group, or you can just find me personally, uh, Wisdom Triple Zero, Derek Bernier. I'm easy to get a hold of. Uh, I would. I love talking about cyberpunk. I'll answer any questions you have, um, to the best of my ability. Yeah, get a hold of us. Yeah. Uh, we we love this stuff and we love interaction. So, till next time, make yourselves known. Yeah, we'll see you uh, first of the month or first Wednesday of the month. Yep. Catch you later. Thank you.